Listen to the Beatles on the radio. Merry Christmas and welcome to the Better Each Day podcast radio show. I'm your host, Bruce Hilliard, and today's guest is Bill Protzman. He's been on the show before, and his continued mission is to raise awareness of the power of music as self-care. He is the world's leading expert on the power of music for physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual health. In 2011, Bill launched Music Care Incorporated, its corporation to teach and advocate practical ways music can be used for self-care. He was recognized by the National Council for Behavioral Health with an Award of Excellence in 2014. That's the industry equivalent of winning an Oscar. Here's Bill Protzman. It comes with a lifetime guarantee. Well, it's good to, good to hear you, and I, I really love what yeah. you're doing. Music Care Incorporated. Yeah, Music Care Incorporated. It's, you know, it's one of those umbrella corporations because while I'm talking about music, uh, the bigger picture, the bigger opportunity is just to help people take better care of themselves. Self-care is a big thing. And, and I, I just don't mean like, you know, going to the spa or having your nails done or, you know, working out. I'm talking about doing the stuff that's holistic, that affects us in every possible way, physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, that whole thing. And, and music's part of that, but so is art. I mean, there's so many um, related opportunities that we could be engaging with that we ignore at our own detriment, I believe. You started playing piano, I believe, like as a three-year-old? Yeah, yeah. My mom was uh, my teacher, so yeah. You ran the risk, as did I, the risk of just taking music for granted, thinking everybody understands the therapeutic value of it. But you went on to go, well, wait a minute, maybe I should explain this in layman terms so people can at least articulate it in their own brain and, and go from there. Uh, and you've done that better than anybody that I know of. So well, I'm very impressed with it. But yeah, it's a music as a evidence-based tool for health, I think is the way you yeah, word it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, it is. Take and, it away. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't even take it for granted. This is a deep rabbit hole. I had no idea that it could be as powerful as it is. I mean, really, honestly, I know, I know it's powerful. People kind of do. But when you start to chase it, wow, there's, I mean, it goes deep. There's, there's no end to what it can do. Resilience was the pamphlet that you sent me. Yeah. And it has, it has a, a tip on here about bilateral stimulation. Bilateral stim, yeah. Yeah, yeah, very interesting. I, I never heard of that. I'm left-handed, and I, sometimes I'm curious as to how much brain damage that I actually have. So I read about that, but it has to do with left and right hemispheres and yeah, how yeah. you think. But this is actually dealing with bouncing signals back and forth between the hemispheres, yeah, correct? Yeah, like sparking up the, the comms channel between the two. It's always running, but if you can accelerate the... I don't want to say the frequency. That's a lousy word to use when you're talking about music. But if you can accelerate the... I was going to say tempo. I, I can't use that word either. 
Um, <laughs> cycles per second. <laughs> uh, I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Right. It's like your mm. the, the the clock in your CPU. If you can start that left right thing um, and and sustain it, that turns out to be really powerful for making change, like healing from traumatic memories and doing creative work, and just that's that's huge. It's enormous, and science is still trying to figure it out. But um, yeah, it it certainly has effects that we can see and actually measure. Um, EMDR is a therapeutic modality based on that, but music does that all the time. I mean, how can you practice resilience? That pamphlet or the guide that I shared with you? Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of talk about resilience, but people just go, "Oh, just be resilient," and. I don't think anybody's really dug into what that means, which is different for all of us. Some people who are more, um, who don't get affected by things quite as deeply as other people tend to be able to work through difficult situations, traumatic situations where resilience is easier for them than for the people who, uh, who are affected more deeply when something goes wrong. You know, when, when the call for resilience goes out, there's going to be lots of different ways to respond, but um, you can't actually do anything if you don't have the emotion connected to it. It's like the empty thank you you get in the checkout line. I mean, yeah, mm -hmm. you can show up and do the work and, you know, pass water buckets to the guys who are throwing them on the fire, but you're going to last longer if you've got an emotional engagement in that process. And so finding that emotional engagement, I think, is one of the keys to authentic resilience. Otherwise, it's just, you just feel like a cog on the wheel. And that'll get it done. I mean, nothing wrong with that. But what if you could really engage? I mean, what, what if your resilience was big enough to help everybody else on the line, you know, on the bucket line, and inspire them? And yeah. It's just not that hard to find that. But, you know, it's not something we really practice. We just sort of wait around for the disaster to strike and then respond as best we can. How do you apply music to that? Yeah, so the, the idea there is that it's easy to show up and do the work. Physical work, that's easy. But if your mind's somewhere else, and if your heart's somewhere else, eh, I don't know. That's, that's really not being completely in the game. So how do you engage your mind and your heart? I like to put a, an activity, like being resilient, in the context of, okay, I've chosen to be here, and I can do the physical work. So those are two important things, mental and physical, right? You made the choice to do it, and you're there, and you're doing the work. But if you can engage an emotional component with that, like the, resilience is a tough thing because you're there normally because there's something that's happened that's bad, right? It calls you to act in a way that you wouldn't normally act. So you're, you're rising above some difficulty. And the difficulty has emotions with it. It's like it's, you feel bad that something happened or sad or scared or angry. I mean, there's, like, there's emotion in that. And you can't ignore that emotion because it's what propels you into the situation to help. And then once you're in the situation, you're doing things that are positive and forward focused and helping to make a difference. And, and those emotions are completely different. They're like, they're more satisfied. They're more, um, not peaceful, but they're active. They're up, they're happy, they're energetic. And all of those emotions are part of resilience. Does that make any sense? Like sort of a built-in fight song. So knowing that, it's like, hey, okay, I got to go. Resilience is on my list today. I have to be resilient today. So all of those emotions go with you without judgment. They're all there. They're all components of that. 
And whether it's you by yourself, like fixing a flood, you know, the, the roof is leaking and you're the one in the attic, right? Mm. Or if you're with a team doing something, recovering from something that's happened or volunteering, all of those emotions are part of it. And especially in a team, the team's only going to go as fast as the slowest member. So don't be the slowest member. You can do that. You can avoid being the slowest member and inspire other people if you come with your full emotional component rather than just trying to ignore it and get the work done, right? <laughs> it's, it's like power that you wouldn't have otherwise. That's so interesting. You mentioned um, We Are the World. Oh, yeah. Remember that? Yeah, I do. And, and I had a short conversation with Kenny Loggins years ago, and he was talking about that. He was on it. Oh. And everybody that was huge at the time that could make it was on that. And John Denver had been huge just prior to that, but he was kind of down on his way down at that point. And Kenny Loggins said, somebody in the room, and I don't remember who it was, said, if a bomb goes off and here, Denver's back on top. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny in a sick sort of way, but yeah. yeah, it was true. Yeah. But you know, there's, a, and I there's love John Denver. humility in that, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> you know? But but that was kind of a, a theme for the time, really, and it still sticks in my head. It does, right? It has that beautiful pull. Create music for a cause. Yeah, and Quincy Jones was talking about, he was the producer, and, and God knows what all he did in it, but it was a hang your egos up at the door type of situation. Oh, yeah. And they got all, got all those guys there. Yeah, there were some egos in there, but it came off well. It comes off well. Really. I'm off on a tangent a little bit there. Oh, no but, uh those those kind of things uh, resonate with me, I guess. Yeah, and it's necessary, right? There's there's people just cranking it out out there, but when when it gets to the to the heart, I guess is a good way of putting it. When it touches your soul in some way, mm-hmm. uh, that's that's what we need right now, isn't it? And you were mention, mentioning other art forms. This is just me, and I always preface things with that because everybody's different, and I forget that sometimes. But I. I can look at visual art or a movie gets me pretty emotional, but nothing makes my hair stand on end like music can. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you about that. There for, for the holistic effect, music is just there. It stops time. You have to be present to listen to it. And even if you don't understand it, it still reaches in and does something to you. It's not like, you know, flat art hanging on the wall, but I'll tell you what, um, I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Rothko. He's an artist. He painted these canvases that are like 10 by 10 feet, and they're basically all the same color. I mean, the giant canvas of 10 by 10 that's red. Mm-hmm. And I haven't studied Rothko. I mean, I know who he is and stuff. You learn about stuff like that in school because he's one of the major people in contemporary art. But I got to see an exhibition, and um, it was at the L.A. County Museum of Art. And I'm not a person who's ever had like an emotional response to art on a significant level. But we went into this room and there were three Rothko paintings hanging. There was a red one in front of you and a purple one on one side. and I think a blue one on the other. Ten by ten. Giant room. And I just started to weep. And to this day, I don't understand why. (laughs) Something about it got me, you know? Yeah. Uh, I immediately went into a scientific explanation of the color spectrum and that uh, blue and red make purple, but that has nothing to do with oh, yeah. I mean, what hit you. All of the, all of the why, all of the, whatever little bit of intelligence and knowledge I had 
didn't help. <laughs> Out the window, yeah. You know, I just couldn't explain it. It was like, all of a sudden, I got it. Science will only take you so far, and after that, I guess they call it spiritual. I really don't have a term for it, but yeah. Yeah, that's where I go to. It's like when science yeah. cuts out, but there's still something happening, yeah. I call it spiritual. <laughs> that's what the scientists call it, too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I ran out of theories. So it'll just go spiritual from here on out. And hey, speaking of science, uh, there's a guy up yeah. the way that you might like to interview if you can nail him down. Yeah. His name is uh, Christoph Koch, K-O-C-H. Um, he's a oh. theoretical physicist with an interest in neuroscience. Oh, cool. And he's written a bunch of books on consciousness, but he works for one of the, not the Gates Foundation, but what's the one that was started by the other co-founder of Microsoft, Balmer? Paul Allen. Paul Allen. What, Paul Al I think it might be yeah, Paul. the Allen Institute or something. Anyway, he's, he's uh, the okay. scientific director of that. Uh, okay. Fascinating guy. His book is called Consciousness. Uh, reflections of a romantic reductionist. Okay. And it's a fascinating, easy to read book. Um, he has an amazing mind and he thinks very deeply about things. And I love reading scientists on consciousness because they make all their arguments and things and they say, this is how much I know. And, you know, and it's like, that's all good because it helps us understand. Mm -hmm. But then they get to the place where they jump off the end and say, so I really don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least you're honest. You know, I I'd hate to say uh, if somebody says that's the end all, and uh, you know, there's no more thinking needed to be done on something. I immediately think no. no. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, look for Christoph Koch. I, I would love to speak to him someday. Yeah. He's that kind of a person. Back to Christmas. I'm gonna play some of your Christmas stuff. I decided. Yeah, we're gonna keep this Christmassy.
<laughs> there was a guy up here. Uh, his name was Stan Borson, and he had like a kid show. He played accordion, and he sang, and he kind of spoofed uh, yeah. Scandinavian yeah. people, because that, that was him. Uh, yeah, and he did uh, uh, Walking in My Winter Underwear, and uh, yeah, parodies on Christmas songs, but they were funny. And if I talk to somebody my age, everybody knows who he is up exactly. here. Stan Borson. So uh, you said you have relatives up here. They might know if they lived up here as kids, they would know who that is. So when you play piano or play an instrument, I've never seen nice. like an MRI or whatever technology there is to, to analyze what your brain's doing, but it's got to be firing off on all cylinders, I would think. It does. Um, what's his name? Um, he passed away now. Oliver Sacks uh, did some of the first work with that. And you can actually see YouTube video right now of jazz musicians improvising inside a functional MRI machine with their brain scans, mm. you know, in real time. Yeah. And it's, it's remarkable. Must be nuts. Oh, it's crazy. And, and it lights up. Um, they have one of the famous clips of Dr. Sachs. He's on Leno or something, and, and he's talking about his own brain. And he has a real preference for the music of Bach. And you can tell by his fMRI. <laughs> it's just like they have him listening to one thing and there's no lights going off. And then they uh, put on Bach. It, it lights up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> I think I would light up with Bach too because I find his work really clever. Really like, wow, how did you get there by doing that? But it made yeah. sense. Yeah, that's how it... Isn't that crazy? Yeah. What's the... I love his things where he has the same melody... Um, in retrograde underneath the melody <laughs> yeah. the right way and it all works <laughs> how did you do that are you familiar with pdq bach oh of course <laughs> i'm sorry I, I, I didn't mean to insult your intelligence but... no i love pdq bach <laughs> that's and, pretty and I'm clever you who do i think it's uh, like yeah. <laughs> that guy's brilliant <laughs> yeah. peter shickley yeah yeah that was uh what i was supposed to be studying music theory that was <laughs> no i want to listen to this guy Exactly. Uh, I always appreciate talking to you. Oh, it's fun, Bruce. You know, there aren't too many hosts that are musicians and are outside of the normal music talk. Yeah. You know, like a lot of people want to talk about improvisation and theory and, I mean, they're brilliant people. But sort of relating it to life, um, humor does that. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I count on humor quite a bit. I think that's another brain stimulant, I think. I think when people are happy, they're better learners. Yes, Definitely. And I didn't make that up either, but I think there's science behind that, but it totally makes sense. Oh, yeah. It's, I mean, this is why I play Rockman and Off and Ragtime on the same program. Because you need an antidote. Well put. Thanks so much for this. It's great to talk to you again, Bruce, and um, Merry Christmas. All right. Merry Christmas to you, Bill. Take care. Thank you. Thank you, too. All right. Bye-bye. Ciao. Here's Bill Protzman with a dreamy white Christmas.